Hey guys, and we're back. Uh, back as in another episode. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, family issues and and life tends to tends to happen when you're busy doing other things. So uh, today I have Michael too. I have George, and we're going to be talking about conspiracies. Now, these are just some random conspiracies that we've you know, that we've, that we picked up, we like, and we're going to talk about them and we're going to sort of, we're going to come to a consensus whether or not we a believe them or B they're bullshit. So, uh, at two here, uh, he drew the lucky straw and he actually, uh, gets to go first. So floor is yours at two. Okay. <laughs> so this is about what we were talking about before the recot or reshot structure. I don't know really how to say it. But uh, I guess it was first heard out NASA was using it. The astronauts would see this as a spot. You can see it from space. It's in northern Africa, the Sahara. And they use it to kind of navigate and tell where they were. Well what is it first of all? Like what is the recot thing? Like they explain what it is and then then the conspiracy behind it. Well in in the uh, in the Sahara Desert there's a giant structure in the ground. It's a sphere, a circle with, it looks like concentric circles, almost like a bullseye. And it's, it's very old and it's just the, the way the ground is structured there. Now, that's where this comes in, where they think that that could be what Atlantis was, because Atlantis was the same shape. A spiral? Uh, like a, actually looks like an eye. Oh, okay. Almost. Okay. So, you, so have, you have you have three concentric circles beside each other, like a like a dartboard, like a bullseye. Right. I don't know if you guys have to have your computer near you. Yeah, I saw a couple pictures early in the week. I was doing a deep dive on it and. Tanya knew a bunch about it too from watching them. Um, was that? Oh, ancient astronauts on Gaium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So Gaia is one of the places where I found. But the thing about it is, like the 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 dimensions of it. You you could put how Plato described the dimensions of Atlantis in place there. Not the full area, but in place in the same type of an area. And he explained that there were mountains to the north and rivers. And you could see from space, you could see on the structure that there is kind of hills and looks like water erosion that could be rivers that would flow down into water and plains to the south. Now, it's not exactly north, but you kind of have to turn your head a bit. And uh, <clears throat> the theory is that when it was wiped out, it was uh, back when it was a plush area. It was like all forests and rivers and lakes. And I think it was just after the Younger Dryas period, there was an earthquake causing a tornado that washed through there. It's got tsunami type waters. For and you can see that from space. You can see how it was washed out. 
So if I'm if I'm looking at Africa, where would I see it on Africa if I was to like grab Google Earth right now? We look at the north. You see where it comes, where you have the peninsula where it comes out and it kind of just out for the top left hand side of the country or the continent, almost like a like a. I don't know how to explain it. So it would be in the sort of top northwestern part yeah. of, okay, yeah, <clears throat> near Morocco or something. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's it. <laughs> no, yeah. So there, so the, this is there's a, there's a lot of there's a guy who put out this video with a lot of compelling evidence that is that. So I decided to go and look at the debunking of it. to see what it is. And it's kind of funny because they know what caused it. Right? It's an old lava dome from like a micro eruption that comes up. And there's volcanic rock that's older in the inside than it is on the outside. Right? And over the years, like that's that's apparently the ground and over the years it just erodes away. And they found these volcanic rocks there. Then I come to find out that Plato got the story from his grandfather. And they all think, and they all actually back then just thought it was an allegory. Because they're all poets and that's what they did. So they don't think that it actually ever really existed in the first place. Right. So what so plato he got the story from his grandfather and he just sort of shrugged it off as conjecture but then when you well, look no, at it was it uh we'll see what happened was there's two stories the minoan civilization and the Halite civilizations right and both of them have the same story and they were known as the inspiration for plato's story Which is more why I think that he created Atlantis and it wasn't actually a place. Hmm. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll have to have to look that up. So what was the, the geology fight? of it? So everybody's thinking, oh yeah, Atlantis is in the desert. Well, you can think about plague tectonics and you know the movement of the continents over th- you know millions of years, but how how did it um, Atlantis get to be in the Sahara? I did. I thought you described a tsunami that originated. Was it in Greenland that washed away and flooded northern um, the where the Sahara is? Yep, in northern Africa. That was after the Younger Dryas. There, just around that time, okay. is where that came up. But they know about that flood. And so there were people there. And that's the next part I found out. They're there, Athenians. And they found a lot of of their stuff there. Like right? artifacts and artifacts and and I found this shyster <laughs> who posted saying that, yeah, they found 
um, all these artifacts and stuff dating back to then to show that there was a civilization back then. Well, yeah, but what they found, where is it here? I actually have it. So the Achulian. Achulian. Bless you. They were from the lower Paleolithic era. So like this is like caveman stuff. So they're finding these these primitive tools. Mm-hmm. And of course you find it spread around there because that's that's where they were. But they're from like these were developed like 1.7 million years ago. Okay. So this is old, old. So this, this is a great archaeological find. 1.7 million years ago? Yeah. Wow. 1.76. Yeah. Well, then the continents, were, that's halfway in between Pangaea, or a little bit of a third of the way between Pangaea and where the continents are now. Yeah. So is that the only reference we have of Atlantis being round and having uh, concentric circles and yeah. and uh, moats and things like that? Plato's writing. Right, and that's not even his sort of yeah, experience that, uh, of it. It's his grandfather's yeah, experience they, of it. The okay. story is they went to, well, one of the stories is that they, they decided to go after the Asians and lost and then were played by the gods, punished floods and this and that. Right. So what do you think then? So is it is it bullshit? Is it is do you think it's a possibility that there was an Atlantis and Well see the problem is we thought so about uh Troy. Until we found it. Right. So mm-hmm. it that and that's 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 the juicy part. Right? Because even though, like, what he's saying is compelling. Some of the stuff he's saying is compelling. You just have to go and dig there. Has anybody uh, gone and dug there? They have, and that's how they found all those other artifacts. Right. But they haven't done, like, what you see in Turkey and stuff like that. Those type of digs. <clears throat> not, not a full, like, archaeological dug, mm-hmm. right? like, dig. Yeah. Has anybody ever sort of scanned the area? Yeah. Like, it's... Because it's have, very hard to get to. It's not like you can just go there. It's almost like going to somewhere in the Antarctica. Like it's it's a rough trek to get there where it is. So it's, it's right. money. Right. You'd you have, have to have a when you have geologists saying, "Look, we know what this thing is." You got to get some of that Oak Island money. Yeah. Because right, when right. it comes down to it, if anybody's going to put that kind of money, they're going to go, well, what do the experts think? And the guy who went to school his whole life and studied it, no, but I was like, well, yeah, it's this. And then this guy goes, well, there was a story that this guy wrote right. 2,000 years ago. And he says it's probably this. So, And he said this, so we think it's this. Right? It's hard to get the funding. That's why it's so hard to get the funding to probably dig for to find out Troy. We did find it for like what a hundred something years after those stories were out. Was it found by accident or did they actually like pinpoint the location? That was pinpointed. Troy. Okay. It was pinpointed, yeah. Following Somebody the, wrestling the in the background there? Yeah, I hear that. A bunch of stuff going on. 
in the background the th- there somewhere. Thumb wrestling? I, I don't, don't know. think so. Oh, no. no thumbs. All fingers. All fingers. So, so what do we think? Chair. Somebody's chair. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, well, let me ask you a question. What do you think? What do you think in your gut? Yeah, my gut. I, 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 in my gut, I have to go that is a natural structure. Okay. That is a dope. But I can't. Yeah, like, I don't want to just be that. Right, I understand. You know, because there's a chance it might not be. Right, I, I, I am not. I'm just surface. Like, I'd actually have to go and read the research papers and do all this and do all that. I just like these guys because they, they kind of do that work. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, if we can thanks. get down there and dig and find something, we know for sure. Right. Okay. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Adu. All right. So we got that. Um, George, what have you got for us today? Hey, I'm George from Portland, Oregon. Join the <laughs> spring weather. Although it's supposed to snow tomorrow and it's supposed to stick on the ground, which is weird awesome. for Portland. Good oh, times. Better than it's sticking it on a cloud. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, well my topic's going to be about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, and if it snows, maybe the Yeti might come out. <laughs> nice. But, <laughs> no, the Yeti is the microphone I have in front of me. The Yeti's the cooler with the beer beside me. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Well, so Sasquatch. Um, yeah, I have a couple personal stories for feet on the ground about Sasquatch through some reliable sources, and you know, and then how reliable you might think if you think of um, people that have that are clairvoyant, that are sensitive to energies around us. You know, whether you buy that or not, you know, then you then there's some stories about that as well. So let's kind of start out about um, the government and Sasquatch. So is, is the government conspiracy, are they trying to cover up anything Sasquatch related? Well, here's what I found out. Okay. So it was 2014 and here in Oregon, there's a town called the Dalles, which is uh, probably about, I don't know, maybe hour or two hours from Portland along the Columbia River, there's the Bigfoot Society Center. And they had a sample of a skin tag with hair that they found on one of their expeditions. In, and they wanted to get it tested. They wanted the DNA test and they wanted to see the sequence because they thought it was the hair looked very different from bears or any kind of other animal in the area. And they found the hair around a place where they had evidence of or so-called evidence where Sasquatch existed here in the Pacific Northwest. So they sent it. The, I, the FBI entertained them. They're like, OK, well, you know, we'll, we'll send it to us and we'll run it through our DNA technology. 
So they sent it in 2014. And you know, you're kind of like wondering, like, why would the FBI, what are they bored? Or is there some, some um, special agent that's kind of in a Sasquatch and say, yeah, I will do it. You know, probably a mixture of the bunch, you know, otherwise, why would the FBI have anything to do with um, conspiracy theories about cryptids and Sasquatch unless they were kind of interested? So, you know, I don't know how much effort they put into it, but they did return to with the information from the genetic report and they determined that it was from a deer. So ah. on the <laughs> other hand, some of the um, people in the Sasquatch community um, and the Bigfoot community, Yeti, they kind of thought, well, maybe the FBI just kind of slacked off and like, whatever, we don't have time for this. Just tell them it was a deer, you know, okay. You know, or maybe that special agent that was in charge got like re <laughs> reassigned somewhere because, you know, who knows the FBI's that are throwing taxpayers money at Sasquatch. I don't know if they'd paint a good light if in the higher ups of the government, but who knows? So they kind of thought that uh, maybe um, the government's, covering up denying Sasquatch for some reason, but really why would, what would be the motivation for the government to deny to that Sasquatch exists? What would be their motive? You know, why would they care? Why would they even entertain that conversation? Who knows? But that's as far as all the conspiracy that I had found out in research on Sasquatch and government cover-ups. Now, if we just get to Sasquatch, the personal stories I have here in the Northwest. Well, one is from, I have this friend, kiteboarding friend. He's an engineer kind of type, He's a, but he's a pipe fitter at Intel here in Silicon Forest and um, north of Portland in a town called Hillsboro. And he was friends with an engineer there and they got to talking for a while and they went out, they would hang out at happy hour on Fridays and... And, you know, he wasn't really a, he's not a big drinker, my friend, the pipe fitter. And he's very um, regimented, but he's flexible. Um, you know, he's not an out there kind of type. So he's pretty grounded in his beliefs of things. And so he was talking to this guy and the guy had, was very similar in his demeanor and his beliefs. That was a no, you know, didn't believe in anything atheist, you know, kind of just by the numbers kind of guy, kind of stoic, not too far out, you know, conservatively dressed all the time and stuff like that. So, but he grew up in Stevenson, Washington, which is in the gorge. Um, and when he when he was going on a hike and I think he was in his early twenties and you know, he's not a drinker, not like, I guess they went out to happy hour, but I guess maybe he was, I don't know, but not to the point where he was inebriated or anything and not into any of the, you know, weed or any kind of other kind of, um, uh, drugs or anything or recreational or anything or even prescribed. So he went out there in, Stevenson and on a hike he came across a lake with a waterfall and I have yet to really look at through these trails but on this lake he saw a family of Sasquatches and he a uh, mother a uh, uh, larger dad and a younger Sasquatch probably younger not a baby but kind of adult not adolescent but you know kind of like 10 year old kid kind of in that kind of age and he saw it. And he said it to my friend. He said, my friend said, he said it with a straight face. Like he tells me things all the time. 
And I believed him because the way he told it to me, my friend said that there was no way that I could not believe him because of the conversations we've had at work and out of work and how he talks and his inflection of his voice and his demeanor of his, you know, his gestures and facial expressions. He said, this guy was telling the truth and I believed him. So after he still works with them and he still, you know, supports that he saw the family of Sasquatch, you know, so he is not going to go public with it or anything. Cause we do have a Bigfoot festival here in the Northwest, you know, where the podcasters and the, the, the Bigfoot society shows up and does a, it's fun and stuff, but he's not going to go do any of that. But to know that my friend believed this guy true and true that he saw a Sasquatch and this guy communicated to my friend in a way that was undeniable that he was not lying that he saw this family of Sasquatch. So that's kind of the I, first boots on the ground story that I have about Sasquatch. I've heard that um, Sasquatch, uh, the reason they're so hard to find is that they are, they're beings that are on like a different frequency. Yeah. Interdimensional. So, interdimensional. Creatures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you would see them maybe. <sighs> If you're when you're not sort of looking for it or you're not paying attention is kind of when you you see them because you're sort of you're not um, like your filters are sort of gone away. Do you know what I mean? And you're sort of more in tune with things. So a, a lot of folks who are you know um, they're hiking and whatnot, they're kind of just you know they may not be thinking about Sasquatch or they're thinking about you know the kids or this or that or their work or something. So they may they may be open to that frequency. So then then they may see it and then it kind of goes away and then they're like, well, wait a second, what was that? And, you know, they can't find it because it's not sort of existing within this specific realm, or at least we can't, uh, we can't openly observe it. Does that make any sense? I I think they're still using eight tracks. Wow. (laughs) He's here all week, people. (laughs) Like my Kenny Logan's eight track? Oh, that's the best. I saw that that one where that guy took out the um, flares. The flare cameras. The heat heat sensing cameras, whatever. Mm -hmm. What about him? He did what with him? Yeah, he went out with them and they didn't find anything. No. And you would think that Sasquatch is. Yeah, why would they fly over the helicopter? We have these choppers at work that. They can fly up. They're way up there. And they can zoom right in and look inside your bridge and see the heat signature. Right. Right. So what do we think? We think real? We think BS? What do we think? What do we think? Oh, wait, I got another story. I, no I think I another story. I, okay, I was going to say, I, I, let I George finish. Okay, yeah, let him finish. finish. Yeah, remember me. Remember me. Okay, so try. this per- story <laughs> was from a personality of a person very conservative, very regimented in their life and their beliefs. And here comes another story with my dad. And my dad is, he's sensitive. He's a shaman. He aligns chakras and fields energy. He does astral projection. So this is from his story. But he lives in Naples, Florida, where it's the land of the skunk ape. And actually, he lives ten about five miles from the Skunk Ape Museum. 
inside different evidence about skunk ape in the Everglades and the big statue out front. Well, so okay, he lives. What's a, what's a skunk ape? What's a skunk ape? I don't know what that skunk is. Skunk ape is the Sasquatch that lives in the Everglades. Okay. Okay. So it's just Sasquatch. It really smells different like flavor. rotten death. Yeah. That's how you know when you're near That's it. That's Florida ape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Florida. I thought that was just Florida, but anyway, yeah, no. they're going. Well, wow, it's like Florida man, Florida woman, you know that stuff. That's just wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it's right, very distinct. Sorry. Sorry, George. Go ahead. So he lives on the outskirts of the end of this road in Naples, and I don't even know Florida has this, but he lives in the pine forest, and he gets bears, black bears, in his yard. He gets um, Florida panthers in his yard, so he gets a lot of wildlife because he's on a green space. And next to it is uh, is is state owned land. I I don't think it's a state park, but it's kind of um, like forest service land kind of. So he was in his house one day and he just smelled something perfeate through the house. That was something that he never smelled in his life. And it was rank and it. Like it shouldn't have come through the house like it did. Like it went through like the walls. Like it was like all of a sudden all in there and it was all throughout the house. And it was a, a, you know, kind of a musky kind of like living thing kind of smell like, like skunky, but he said it wasn't a skunk, but it was like far more pungent than a skunk. And he said he felt an energy and he felt like the skunk ape, it was the skunk ape that was in his yard and in his vicinity. And not just because of what he felt in energy wise, but because of the smell that he had. And he said it was nothing like he's ever smelled in the past in anything. And he used to work in, he was an investigator in for the immigration service. So he did some you know, police work and with some, you know, really stinky kind of situations with, you know, bodies and things like that. But so he says he's never smelled anything like this. And he said it was just overwhelming. So I believe that he smelled something that was different because he's been outside. He's kind of outdoorsman. He smelled some animal stuff, you know, in the Midwest. And he's lived in Florida for, you know, now going on like 30 years. And he lived in Montana. So he knows the outdoors and what the outdoor smells like. So I believe him when he said that the smell was something different and it went through the walls of the house, like no other scent he's ever, did you ever smell it again or did he go out to try to look for it? Um, he did go out and try to look for it and it was outside. The smell was outside too, but he didn't see anything. I was going to say, I was just about to ask the same question. Did he actually, um, what was he doing at the time when the smell went through the house and did the smell, just go away or did it take time for it to leave it took time to go away and he was there watching tv or making dinner or doing something like he wasn't outside doing any kind of yard work he was definitely in the house maybe taking a nap or something so it just kind of went away it's not like how long are we talking because i know i know if you get sprayed by a skunk that shit will last for days well yeah uh, in so the stillness of if- the Florida air, I would think that, yeah, he said it stayed around. It was in the house for a couple hours at least. Okay. Mm-hmm. That definitely wouldn't be a normal skunk then. Cause I mean, you can yeah, smell a skunk for, yeah, that'll, you'll smell it for a day or two for easily. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So it wasn't a especially alongside the road, just something <laughs> that was walking by. 
stuck. So what do you think? What do we what do we think about this? What do we think of Sasquatch? I think it's DB Cooper. DB Cooper. Wow. Um what? <laughs> I don't know what the hell to do with you, Michael. I swear to God. <laughs> um do we like it? Are we, I see I I'm I'm, I'm oh. gonna go first. <clears throat> I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna say I, I'm I'm gonna call BS on this. I mean, again, I just I don't know. I, I kind of feel like we have the technology. I mean, in 1941, the U- <clears throat> the CIA had the U-2 bomber fly over New York, and they were able to take pictures of oh, the top hold on. Uh, you're, uh, The U-2 was not in 1941, and it, it, it was never a bomber. <laughs> what, was it? what was the U-2 then? It was the, the spy U-2, plane or something? Yeah, spy plane in the mid-late 50s. Uh, which transitioned to be called a TR-1 after refits and so forth, but they were high-altitude reconnaissance planes. Okay, okay, pardon me. I, I forget Michael actually knows. But I'm just saying, like, it, they had that technology in the 50s where you could take uh, the picture of the top of that. And, and if you go to the Smithsonian, there's a picture. They show a picture of people walking with their hats, and you can almost read the tags on their hats. And that was in the 50s. Um, I would like to think that with today's technology and, and the Elon Musk's of the world and things like that. I'm pretty oh, sure God, they no. can read. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can read the follicles and tech of, you know, tell if I have dandruff or, or, you know, well, you know, you look at the, the only thing I'd say on that is it's almost the forest through the trees. How do you see things that have a canopy over them and stuff like they're always finding new species of things in different, you know, uh, and the t- rainforests and stuff. Oh, a new species. We've never found it before. It's been living there right. for 8,000 years. Well, you no, know. But we have things like because LIDAR. We have things they, like thermals and infrared. You'd want to think, you think one way make a mistake one day and stumble into like the mall. Yeah, maybe he wants a Big Mac, you know, or, or something. even on a road somewhere. I mean, everybody's got like their just cameras. Just somewhere like, what the hell is that? You know, it's still yeah. on the freeway, and it's like all terrified because it took a wrong turn. Now, the other there. side of that, the other side well, of there that is, there's a lot of sightings of people yeah. seeing the Sasquatches on the side of the road and in hikes. There's lots of sightings. So I don't know if Sasquatch would go into a, a high population human place just out of instinct or, you know, out of well, like maybe, intelligence, you know. What maybe, has Alzheimer's? So maybe, yeah, right. Maybe as a part of, of, of their inter dimensional ability whatnot maybe they are of <clears throat> maybe they are of high intelligence and maybe they're are very self-aware and they maybe they know that hey uh we can't be seen otherwise they will happily capture us cut us up and see what makes us tick because uh, we would be if frank, they were we that did. if they were that if we'd see like they'd have to leave some sort of proof of their existence there'd be well, but that's where the interdimensional part kind of comes in, though, right? Yeah. I mean, well, again, again, we only see what our brains can perceive what's out there. There's probably stuff that's out there that we just yeah, simply can't see. Yeah, but the stuff they're finding is, is physical, regular stuff like you find on animals. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what uh, anything that artifact or remnant may be left behind that is so close to something else that it's just overlooked like we're thinking it's a deer but maybe they have like a chromosome off from a deer or something maybe we're thinking sasquatch is an upright uh uh you know homo sapien sort of 
you know, creature. Maybe it's really not. Maybe it goes on all fours most of the time, and we just occasionally see him like a bear might stand up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because most time when people do see it standing, most of the... Yeah. Uh, and it might be like a, a, a prairie dog. You see them standing when there's, you know, they're looking for, you know, danger and predators and they're on like, that. Like the Bigfoot, though, they have very prominent arms. Like, I, I kind of feel like any like sighting of a Sasquatch, you can tell that this sucker walks upright. You know? Yeah, but they're not necessarily <clears throat> proven sightings or, you know, no. on, 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 on reputable photography, video, what have you. Yeah, it's just what people say. And here's a, yeah, well, look at this rough video. It's like, yeah, it's a rough video and there's no evidence to support it. And there's only right. that one, you know, so. That, that Peterson footage or whatever the yeah, hell that it's is. Just, it's just, you know, what people's perception of it is from the stories. Now, it may be true, but we don't have any evidence yet. And that's the point. Hmm. So anyway, I, I, I debunk. I say it's not true. But anyway, what do you guys think? I would say I'm not ready to reasonably confirm or deny the existence of Sasquatch. But That's fair. if it's an interdimensional creature, then I can have faith and believe that he does exist because we don't have the tools of observation to view things interdimensionally. We just have theories. We know that we have empirical evidence that different dimensions exist, but we don't have the technology to make observations on it. So I'm going to have faith that Sasquatch is out there, but we can't confirm his existence or her existence at this right. time. But that's okay. like, that's like, that's yeah. like God. Yeah. yeah maybe yeah, God is a Sasquatch. I'd like to think yeah. he's a Sasquatch. You know, it's like, I'm saying like uh, uh, 87.3%, I don't believe it, but I'm open to, you know, hey, I don't know everything. <laughs> that too? What about you? Yeah. I'm like, I'm all kind of, uh, that's almost, I'm on the same page as that. Like, like they say, like, you extraordinary claims need extraordinary uh, you, extraordinary you really claims need, to, need extraordinary evidence. Yeah. Like you really okay. need to you need to really show beyond anecdotal evidence and whatnot. Now the only reason is that you can point to we know that there is a bunch of uncontacted tribes in some of the densest parts of the rainforest. So if they can exist and we're still finding new species of animals. It could be that in, in these dense forests, like you see where they find these guys, where they see them, these places are dense. Like there is no seeing it from the sky. Right? You have okay. to be on the ground. Okay. There's, so who knows? Yeah, there's right? the Olympic Peninsula, the Olympic rainforests. There's a lot of it that, as far as we know, no person has ever been in. There's no roads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way in or out. Are these the places where they're seeing these Sasquatch? Like, yeah. Or is it where no, it's Where then that kind of, that's oh, like, yeah, well, yeah, it's true there. But then we it's just, not he, that remote. Yeah, he's just saying that there are those places, you know. That's yeah. where I think if it exists, we'd be there. Because, again, we find, but again, no one's actively looking. Like, for real, not like the TV guys with the hoaxes and all that. Yes. It's not Geraldo Rivera looking, you know, for Al Capone's vault. Right. <laughs> but the guys who are going to that one, one. <laughs> they go up and do it. 
they don't find it. Like, they don't find it. It's like, if you're actually going to look and you're going right off of people who things and you go in that area and you still find nothing, it's hard. Fair enough. You have to have real Fair conviction enough. to keep going. Yeah. And I feel even with the most technology that we have of infrared, you're not going to see through the for- the canopy of a rainforest, whether so it's a Pacific rainforest or a tropical rainforest like in South America. And again, okay. you have to do an expedition. You have to go out and scour. All right. Fair enough. Um, thanks, George. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> Michael Motorcycle, what have you got for us, buddy? Miss Piggy. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm going to mute about- you soon. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, go, go ahead. It is about time somebody did. Okay. That's true. All right. What do you got? I thought, yeah, wait, wake up. Okay. I, I thought this was interesting, you know, because I didn't know there were so many uh, conspiracy theories about the uh, KAL um, shoot down. This was this was interesting when I dug into it. That it was like really, it's like this is just strange that you people would think that this you know KAL 007, which is always weird that it was that that this would be such a weird thing. Who's anyway, clicking? so who's clicking a mouse right now? I'm not. I'm moving my cursor, but I'm not clicking anything. I keep hearing clicking in the background. Yeah, I hear clicking too. There, I just heard it again right now. Click. I don't no, know. I, I'm not hearing it. There it is again. Oh, I heard it yeah. too. That's so bizarre. Oh, that's my theory. That's right there. That's my conspiracy theory. What do you think you're listening to? Seriously, and we why? being CIA or NSA is listening to us. Okay. Okay. Go well, ahead. Should, Siri should... and Alexa are listening to us right now. Yeah. No. Well, yeah, I've got two of them up there. Yeah, they are. <laughs> All right. So KAL or KTL. No, okay. KAL, Korean Airlines Flight uh, 007. Yes. All right. So this was... Um, on September 1st, 1983, that uh, the aircraft, I'm reading some stuff, the aircraft was en route from New York City via Anchorage to Seoul, and it strayed into a prohibited Soviet airspace and was shot down by Soviet fighters. I don't know why they say fighter jets. That is so stupid. But anyway, <laughs> it's like redundant. Um, so that was interesting. Why I chose this one is because I... W- um, as some of these theories will point out, I was in the Air Force at the time. I was stationed in England, and I was uh, on flight status. I flew on RC-135s, and that comes into this. Um, because, as it says, you know, Flight 007 was sub- has been subject to ongoing controversy and has spawned a number of con- you know, conspiracy theories. Many of these are based on the suppression of evidence, such as Flight data recorders, unexplained details such as the role of the USAF RC-135 surveillance aircraft, or merely Cold War disinformation and propaganda. So I flew on those planes, and that um, is part of this. So what's interesting is um, there's a number of, well, I'll just say the RC-135s, there's a number of variants of those planes. Uh, some do different missions. These would be the ones that fly. I, I was originally scheduled to go to uh, Alaska, um, but that changed, and I got shifted over to England. Um, and one of the ones out of a couple of the different versions that go out of Alaska at least were, and they probably still are, because they're still fly, flying those stupid planes. Um, did fly reconnaissance out over the Barents 
off the Soviet coast at the time and so on. But some of the interesting theories, and I'm just going to hit, there's a few of these, just read, uh, go through a few, couple of these that are just really kind of interesting. One was called a, a splan, blah, 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 planned spy mission, could have been splaining too, um, that it was set up to cover up a carefully planned ferret mission for, that suggested NSA had implemented an electronic countermeasures to cover up for the missions and that the flight recorders had been pl- that had been planted for the Soviet recovery for them to find. It's like, okay, that's a little weird. Some of these, I'm just going to hit, you know, things about theory of intentional deviation by the pilots that the cover up postulates that the pilots made a deliberate and carefully planned intrusion into Soviet territory with the knowledge of the U S military and intelligence agencies. They argue that it was impossible for the pilots not to know they were off course. Okay. Really? Um, another one was on the RC 135s. Um, and this one I liked because it had a picture of one of the planes I flew on. So I thought that was cool. <laughs> so question- help, help me out here, Mike. Mike, hold mm-hmm. on every second. What is the what's the conspiracy then? Like, are you re- is it is it, it that these are a number of them? That and and basically okay. I'll I'll get to why I'm just hitting on these when I have my little wrap up there. Okay, so Fair just just that's why I'm throwing out a few things that say or why. If the pilots intentionally strayed off course and the RC that was flying in the area didn't see them and, you know, or pick up the radio chatter and why didn't they warn the, the, anybody about this? Um, then there are things like uh, something called Monoron Island, suggesting that the flight was uh, caused by the Americans or the Japanese and it was a spy mission triggered to... Uh, tri- uh, designed to trigger Soviet air defenses and cover up for the surveillance aircraft. And that they actually didn't destroy it. They just, you know, it just landed, you know, in friendly territory. Others say like the crab theory. How come they never found bodies? They, because they must have been eaten by giant crabs. I mean, <laughs> this is where it gets like, what? That's why they never found any bodies. It's persistent and has been echoed by the Soviet interceptor pilot who fired the missile. Yeah. Okay. So the guy that shot the plane down thinks of giant crabs. Decompression theory on why you got, you know, why is there still no bodies or anything? Oh, they get decompression. The, the plane, you know, got a hole blown in it and they all were sucked out of the aircraft. You know, so, okay. Wind tunnel, serious sort of, same sort of thing. You know, it's like, why can't we find the bodies? Well, plane blew up. Yeah. Uh, and they sent divers down and they can't find anything, you know, so I'm just skipping through or they actually they never blew up to begin with. They were forced down and all and now they're all living in a Soviet or now Russian gulag. So that's another fun one. So these are kind of interesting or, you know, just, hey, let's just blame the U.S. government because we must have sent them on this thing and so on. Now, with, with most of these, and I'm going to hit this other thing, which I thought was really interesting because I, I didn't know this part and I ran across it, that, so those are just a sample of some of the brief things. And it says, every conspiracy starts with an information vacuum. I like that. And then it tumbles into fantasy. And in a freak accident, and this is from uh, the Daily Beast, by the way, um, And uh, in a freak accident 31 years ago, which would now be 35 years ago, an intern at the American embassy in Tokyo contributed to the conspiracy theories by pressing the wrong key on the day the KL-007 was shot down. The mistake destroyed 
hours of work the American staff were doing in the wake of the incident, adding to confusion that eventually gave room to conspiracies to mushroom, gave room for them to mushroom. Um, so I'm going to skip some of this stuff. This guy's 50 odd years old now. Or, and But the problem was that basically uh, this was the dawning of you know computers in your workspace. And in the early hours of this, the guy, he was an intern uh, at the Tokyo U.S. Embassy. And one of the secretaries, one of the other things, liked to commute early. And they got there and she would play a video game you know, on the computer. And then the problem happened every few days. The secretary called, asked him to restart her terminal so she could continue to play. He was totally unaware of the shoot down. And secretary workstation was having a problem. And he hit the button to reset our monitor, or he thought he did. The next thing he knew, his screen went black, and it looked like it had reset everybody's terminals. Because the button right next to the reset hers was reset all. Just a basic stupid design flaw. He wasn't immediately concerned until the embassy staff, or what was going on, he didn't think anything of it. It all booted up, everything came back up. Until his supervisor rushed in and informed him, you know, what had happened. And he said, uh, hey, I reset everything. Sorry. Uh, basically, he got fired <laughs> because everybody that was working on all the problems and all the data and all the messages for the shoot down all got reset because there was no back, instant backups like we have now. It was all gone and everything had to be rebuilt in the hours after that. And Tokyo was the main station for getting all this information out there. So instead of having all that information immediately being sent out to worldwide, the Washington, D.C., everywhere, they lost like seven or eight hours of work. So And there, me, there was the vacuum of there was no information coming out about what had happened. So to me, it sounds more like it was a like a clusterfuck, like a comedy of errors, really. Well, Versus everybody like did, a conspiracy, you know what I mean? Exactly. But that what it's saying is, you know, because of this, you know, uh, cluster – which was down to, hey, right next to, uh, you know, backspace is delete, you know, that little button on the design. One guy caused this to happen. They didn't cause it, not the people putting out the information or working on getting the reports and digging information. But just because of this one little keyboard flaw, they lost that, which created the vacuum. It was like, hey, how come we didn't hear about this? How come what happened here? What, what really, you know, it created the um opportunity for conspiracies to flourish even to this day so you know it, it is lots of conspiracies on that at least looking at this you can see that it very much likely wasn't because we have a documented incident that happened somebody that wasn't there at the time what he did left the you know got fired from the position for that rate cause <laughs> and he's gone on and, you know, done, I guess, quite a lot more. He's gotten his PhD and teaches and things like this. So, you know, I, yeah, there's, there are conspiracy theories. It's not the standard one of saying, you know, um, what is it? We don't know in this case. I mean, people can still believe what they want to believe, but there is documentation that this isn't your standard thing, that there is a cause and what the effect was. And just people like to fill in gaps, whether it's needed or not. Fair enough. So 
the conspiracy here is really just letting people run away with their imagination. Yeah. It's like, you know, not everything ends in a question mark. That's what most conspiracies are. Yeah. That's true. That is true. And like I said, I thought it was cool because, yeah, I thought it was cool. You know, like I said, because I remember it. I remember the morning it happened and we all got into a, 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 a unit briefing about it. Um, and which put us on alert because we were flying the RCs over in the Baltic and the um, Barents seas and activity picked up. You know, it used to be what we would get as a, uh, what we probably still call is a reaction. And you see these things, you know, Hey, you know, there was a you know, Russian bomber flying off the coast of Alaska and we sent F-15s up to look at it. Yeah, no kidding. We do that all the time. And that's what we did. We would fly off the coast of the Soviet union or the, then East Germany or something like that. And they would send up fighters to take a look at us. That's just how the games played. And it was few and far between when I got there in the early eighties. After this, it was practically every mission that we flew that a Soviet fighter would come up to us and, you know, check us out. And that didn't die down for years. If it did ever, you'd almost always guarantee to see you know, one or two planes coming up and checking you out, even though you know, you're fi- flying 60-odd miles off the coast well into international waters. So we do the same thing to them. So it was interesting. I got my first look at a, a MiG-23 at the time, a Su-15, you know, the ones that shot down the KAL, you know, waving at their pilots you know, from the window, <laughs> you know, hoping, please don't shoot us down. <laughs> <laughs> It's nuts. All right. Yeah, okay. it is a crazy job. Yes. All right. All right, Mike. Thanks for that. That's uh, that's good. Um, I guess I will. I'm the last one here, so I'm going to go. Um, so mine's going to be on. If you guys probably have heard this this before, mine's going to be on the the MK Ultra uh, program that some people say doesn't exist. Some people say still exists to this day. Uh, but I'm, I got a little blurb here just on the MK Ultra. Essentially, what the MK Ultra was was a top secret CIA project in which uh, the agency uh, would conduct hundreds of clandestine experiments. Uh, you know, sometimes on unwitting U.S. citizens or Canadians, for that matter, uh, to assess the potential use of then at that point in time LSD or other drugs for things like mind control or information gathering or basically torture. You know. Um, the project started from about 1953 until about 1973, uh, details of the illicit program didn't become public until 75 during a a congressional investigation into widespread illegal CIA activities within the United States and around the world. Wow. Uh, yeah, the CIA basically was capturing people, taking folks that they thought was, um, expendable and they would keep them in these camps located around the world, some in the Philippines, some in Japan, uh, and in, in sort of cooperation with other sort of U S friendly governments, they would conduct experiments. You know, they would give these folks, uh, LSD, they would, uh, submit them to different types of torture. They would try to see if they could extract information and, and or replace information currently in their head. Um, 
let's see, in, in between the 50s and 60s, it's kind of like the height of sort of the, well, we have a second Cold War right now, but the height of the Cold War then, uh, there was about, from what they understand or what was left of sort of documentation, there's about 150 human experiments. And this was, you know, uh, involving psychedelic drugs, paralytics, electroshock therapy. And most of the time, these folks had no idea what was going on. They would go and see, you know, <clears throat> you know, psychiatrist, Dr. So-and-so, Hey doc, I'm, I'm hearing voices in my head. You know, can you help me out? Sure. We can help you out, you know, come down the hallway here and let's, uh, let's, let's fill you full of drugs and, and, and expose you to different lights and frequencies and sounds and see, and see what happens. Um, things uh, started getting interesting with MK Ultra, um, thanks to a Canadian, uh, a British scientist working in Canada. His name was Donald Ewan Cameron, and he was the creator of something called psychic driving. And his idea was to he set out to basically try to cure schizophrenia by introducing. Uh, specific types of drugs and and putting folks into comas to try to replace the voices in their head that were not of their own. So, you know, if, if Joe, you know, uh, uh, keeps hearing voices in his head about, you know, do this, do that, they would, you know, they would be submitted to these sort of uh, types of, of treatments. Uh, the second the uh, CIA heard that, they were like, "Hey, <laughs> how are you? Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see if we can now replace memories in people's heads." And that went on for oh, I think another seven years or so. And they found that they were able to cure folks of schizophrenia. But at the same time, they were also able to implant other types of memories into people's heads. So this is these are documents that have sort of been that are on the if you you know do a, do a search on the CIA.gov, they'll be there. So that's sort of freaky. Um, what do you guys think? It kind of reminds me of Jacob's Ladder, where the CIA was given Vietnam. Mm -hmm soldiers exactly. and small doses to see what would happen because they could get away with it in Vietnam. No, nobody's going to check and balance anything there. <laughs> well, it. yeah. People also remember like uh, LSD was legal up until, you know, the early sixties, not saying what they're doing with it, but it wasn't like it is now. Even yeah. experimental people are crazy. Like it like you have to keep it a whole bunch of people syphilis to see what happens. Oh yeah, that's that's a grant. Yeah, it's such a moral victory of doing right. that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's very believable. Yeah, and it's yeah, always it's isn't it always amazing? It was it's always done on the uh, the like predators and prey, the the lower echelons of society or how they're deemed to be are usually the, mm. you know, you don't see, hey, millionaire uh, bankers couldn't kidnapped in broad daylight and forced into LSD experiments. I don't think those words have ever been said. Actually, no. actually, there was a mob boss by the name of Whitey who was introduced to a, uh, what Whitey is Bulger? Whitey, Whitey Bulger. Bulger, that's it, that's it. Yeah. And he was introduced to this and he 
you know, was having well, schizophrenic uh, episodes. Yeah, but te- technically, if you think about it, a uh, a mob boss isn't necessarily high society. <laughs> well, that, unless you're that's president. True. <laughs> that's true. No, no, it's true, but it it's still, you know, it's still you know having your way with people a name a name person yeah so he um yeah they experimented on him with lsd and whatnot and he had no idea what was going on and he was having terrible episodes and he was having uh thoughts of of you know all of a sudden he wants to you know he wants to do things like you know he would he talked about you know um uh going smelling flowers in the garden and he's like he's never been a plant person and you know just things of that so it was uh, it was bizarre, and is it still happening? I you know it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. Some I heard something somebody told me a long time ago. Whether it is of any value or not, but I was told that the government tells everybody what they're doing through movies in small ways. Um, an example which kind of this whole MK Ultra thing, which makes me think is very recently there was a Marvel movie that came out and it was called a winter soldier. And for those who, who don't know, there's a character who's a, you know, quote unquote, super soldier, you know, has a super strength, all that, all the, all the stuff, but he would be activated by uh, being read a certain set of words, you know, it just very random words, you know, bread, bird, cat, you know, uh, number six, things like that. And in a specific order, and he would all of a sudden comply and he would be good to go and he would do anything that whatever agency wanted. Yeah. I know. saw an American Dad uh, <laughs> episode mm-hmm. of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, but that's what I'm saying. So it's kind of like, I feel like things like that are being leaked through Hollywood all the time. So if there is a whistleblower somewhere or if there's some kind of document that comes up somewhere, where it's like, oh my God, they've been they've been experimenting on people. The very first thought most everybody says is, "Well, doesn't surprise me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been done before, and just because they closed Project X doesn't mean right. they're still not doing it. But they're now calling it Project Y. You hit the nail on the and head. They're more it may subtle. not be called. <laughs> yes, and they're more. I don't know if they're more subtle. I mean, they you know. Let's be honest. There's they're locking up folks all over the world now under the guise of of you know quote unquote terrorism under the guise of of the drug wars under the guise of just people. And we're who, supposed to believe we're well these people would be humane, right? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's MK Ultra, <laughs> USA, yeah. USA, America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That was sarcasm. Always got, to, always got to take it yep. up a notch. <laughs> yeah. That being, said, we, that being said, we have about a minute left. Um, real quick thoughts on the sort of conspiracies that have been pushed forward so far. Is it real quick or real, real quickly? Real quickly. You got a minute. It's on your mind. A minute. Um, show me the proof. Yeah. Yeah. Just like most most things on this, I think. Yeah, convince it me. Is, it is fun. It's it's a fun thought experiment. Yeah, that way you can really get into it and and go down those rabbit holes and just to see, right? Fair enough. Or else it'd be Fair boring. Enough. Go down that hole and just don't drown. 
Well, you got to question stuff. If, if something stinks, then something stinks. You know, we can't deny that, you know, yeah. whether it's what we believe is the cause of the stink, you know, that's debatable, but something's going on. Something got messed up and yeah. Well, you, <laughs> if you right. some of this stuff, Listen, guys, we got, it, uh, oh. yeah, we got about five seconds left. So I'm going to close this one out on us. Uh, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for participating guys. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Cheers.